Hi, I'm Anthony. And I'm Thane. Welcome to Runners on Trail, the trail running podcast by mid-pack runners. For mid-pack runners. And in this episode, we thought we'd tell you some races that we think you might want to add to your race schedule for 2022 or beyond. This is Runners on Trail, episode 30. So welcome back to Runners on Trail, episode 30. And as we said in the intro, in this episode, we thought we'd tell you about some races we think you might want to do, either this year or beyond. We've picked five different categories, one of which is 10k and below, Mm. one of which is marathon and below, one of which is ultra, one of which is long ultra, and I kind of think we didn't really define that too much, but, but long ultra, and then one of which we're going to call a marquee race, a big famous or huge race that we think it's worth you doing. And we'll do one each in each class. Yeah. Unless, of course, they clash, which they do, I know, <laughs> in the first class that we're going to do, which is 10k and below. And for that one, we've picked Park, park run. run. Right. So why have we picked Park Run? Well, you and I might have different reasons for picking Park Run. But first of all, let's talk about Park Run, just in case some of you have been living on another planet and don't know what Park Run is. So... Although, oh. to be fair, it's it's not worldwide, is it? It's not worldwide, but it isn't just UK either now. No, it is no. quite a lot of places. So, what are park runs? Park runs are free, in the UK, five-kilometre events for adults, two-kilometre events for children. They're organised by local people under the auspices of the park run umbrella. And the idea is to get people out doing exercise. So, in the UK, there was an initiative a few years ago called Couch to 5K, to getting people out from their sofas just watching TV to get them to build up to running 5k and for a lot of people running park run at the end of it was sort of their goal their drive mm, yeah. their, the, the event they were looking to do they run all over the country so there's loads of them so what terrain are they run on well it's really varied so if you go to somewhere like Weymouth on the south coast of the UK they run it along the seafront and back so it's totally tarmac almost on a piece of pavement yeah and then if you go to somewhere like Ashcourt and Bristol which you've done a few times it's what trail effectively yeah well it's, it's kind of half road half um track really they're Ooh. all very different lots of them are loops some um, of them are loops definitely yeah the one that I do the Ashton Court one is quite hilly for it can go basically go it's an out and back that's an out and back yeah. goes up uh, goes two and a half kilometers out to turn around come straight back the same route probably um, what 100 and 100, 100 meters of climb, meters which of climb. is which is quite a bit over over that distance. Yeah. when you're kind of you know in a kind of a running race inverted commas. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and they're really tech. cleverly done, aren't they? Because it's free, and all that happens is you have a little barcode, and when you finish the race, you get given a, a sort of position token. Someone's noting down the finishing times for those positions. They then scan your barcode, the barcode on your finished position. It all gets tallied up afterwards, and yep. you get a little email that says you've got. What, how you've done in your race class, both in the think in the country and in your local race, and whether you've got yeah. a PB and things like that. And it's like I don't know how many there are in the UK, but over a thousand. There's lots. We would have to look up the number, but there's loads and loads. So people can do all the ones in their area. I mean, in Bristol, there's like half a dozen or so in, around, around the city. Um, and then people quite often travel to other ones. It always starts at nine o'clock on a Saturday morning. Um, all the results are online. So wherever you go, as long as you've got your barcode, basically free to enter, free to register, no payment, just go along, turn up. Um, you know where it's going to start. You know what the rules basically are each time. Yeah. It's great motivation. And I don't know, um, the, the, um, Ashton Court Park run, for example, has typically has about 500 people. Last, I've done it last few weekends. And yep. Yeah. 500 people. Um, 
And I think they're brilliant because, first of all, it's that accessibility point of view. You know, anyone can turn up and do it. And you get all sorts of people turning up. You get properly quick top-end runners who will win races anywhere through to those people, as I said, who are just trying to do their first 5K and trying to do 5K. And I think it's brilliant because if you're on a training schedule, it's a fast 5K. Running with people always tends to make you run quicker. Yeah. And so you can use that as your fast, hard 5K run for the week whilst having someone time it for you and just see your see your progress on the same course. Yeah. Build up week after week. I, I think they're brilliant. I absolutely do. And I think there is potentially a little bit of snobbery in the inverted commas proper running world, I think, about Park Run by some people. And I think it's a bit silly and I think they're a brilliant event. Yeah, I think it's a good community thing as well. It's all free. Lots of people who run them also volunteer to do them. Um, that's a really to, good to, point to look after them. that's a really good point for your age uh, you also get a kind of a, a grade don't you so because there are so many runners taking part that tends to be i think quite accurate so you can track your progress relative to your age category across different races and around the country so yep. yeah it's a fantastic thing yeah um, so if you haven't done one already get out and start doing part run especially if you're looking to get into trail running because there'll be a real good sort of feel for what it's like to run on different terrain different surfaces mm. most of them are kind of fairly fairly easy terrain but some of them aren't some of them are on beaches and quite cross-country aren't they? and so. muddy yeah cool well that's great i'm, I'm glad we both picked part run because yeah, yeah I, I think it's worth worth the double in- endorsement i really do moving on looking at our marathons i've picked the Scarfell Pike Trail Marathon. Ah, okay. Okay, so the Scarfell Pike Trail, Trail Marathon is run by High Terrain Events and happens in the Lake District. Funny old thing, running from just outside Keswick along past Derwent Water, yeah, up to the top of Scarfell Pike by the corridor route, and then back down and finishes back in Keswick. It's got 1,750 metres of climb, mm-hmm. and I think it's just over a marathon, but it's almost exactly a marathon, but I think yeah. it was just over when we did it. Really varied terrain, about 10% on road, about 85%, I'm going to say, on trail, with 5% being scrambling over boulders yeah. and stuff that I wouldn't even call, definitely wouldn't call trail. Now, that's the top of Scarfell Pike, isn't it? It's yeah. unavoidable. <laughs> yeah. And... We ran it in 2016 as our Transvulcania qualifier. Mm-hmm. And it was my introduction to trail running. It was the race and the run that made me fall in love with trail running completely. So it's kind of got a special place in my heart. But I think it's great because, well, one, you know, you, you've got the chance of getting some amazing views. We didn't on our day because it was clagged yeah. in at the top of Scarfell Pipe, but some amazing views. You get to climb the highest mountain in England, which is kind of cool, I think. Yeah. Kind of cool thing to do. It's gnarly without being too gnarly it's definitely properly runnable in places it's definitely trail running <laughs> yeah it's definitely trail running it's not fell running so yeah. it's definitely following trails but there, there's it's definitely runnable it's not mm-hmm. too technical there were some technical bits but it's mostly not that technical mm. for all of it being the highest point in england and i just felt it was a really well-run event but also you can get a real sense of achievement of having not just run a marathon but also climbed a mountain yeah uh and that for me yeah made it something a little bit more than mm. other trail runs i've done in the uk i think in terms of marathons yes yeah it's lovely views as well isn't it? i mean it's just stunning and and keswick's like a running mecca anyway oh with, yeah uh, with, with bob graham and all those other yeah, things yeah at the start and then there yeah but i think of all the all the runs we're going to go through today you'll see certainly from my perspective there is a little bit about these runs that I think they're good because of the experience I had on the day I did them. Yeah. And so I could equally have had a not-so-good experience that day, not because of the course of the race, but just something happening with me. 
and I wouldn't look back on that race and say people should be doing it. So I am a little bit careful on all the things we're doing today that our recommendations are tempered by the fact that we probably had a good time doing each of the runs that we've talked we're talking about. We're yes. Not, I don't, none of my runs I've picked on here are ones where I had a bad time. <laughs> and there are so many to choose from. Yes. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Right. So I was trying to choose between various kind of local or local races done by running clubs um so i was thinking of because there's there's a number of close to us isn't there there's like um the dursley dozen 12 miler um there's the there's a mendip muddle uh, on the mendips funny old thing um the sodbury slog so quite often the local running clubs do a kind of their own little kind of marquee event which become quite popular yeah uh, and quite noteworthy the one i've gone for though is one called the grizzly which is run by axe valley runners um it's down uh down at seaton uh, in east devon okay to start and finish and it's 20 miles and i don't know what the climb is because i couldn't find it online and it was way before i was recording on any gps and anything but um quite a lot it's called the grizzly because it's unnecessarily kind of evil um, okay remember distinctly going along and after like three miles there was a gate and you run through this gate and it was just where we where you where are we going or saying to the marshal we just pointed up to obviously all the people running up this steep hill to a tree and then all they do is come back round the tree straight back down to the gate and then carry on again <laughs> right so there was sections of mud there's a, a few miles on a beach as well pebble beach um so yeah it was just just pretty gnarly so the the terrain was hilly boggy beach field track and how um, far was it you said 20 miles 20 miles yeah i had i didn't have a good time it was one of probably the first long distance trail runs i'd actually done and it was oh crikey back in like 2008 or something quite some time ago uh, my brother talked me into it and I didn't have any kind of trail running kit in inverted commas or anything. So I didn't, I wasn't carrying nearly enough stuff. And after about uh, nine, 10 miles, I just bonked terribly and was begging food from people. And there was no real aid stations at that time to speak of. Um, certainly there wasn't anything with any food. Okay, you're and supposed I, to be selling this race to people. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and in the end, uh, in the end of past, somebody was able to give me a little club bar, which gave me you know, those little um, if uh, wafers. If you like a lot of chocolate on your biscuit, join <laughs> our club. One of those small ones, chocolate right? biscuit, and it powered me to the end. But no, uh, it, it it's really good. I think they're massively oversubscribed these days. But really good example of a a run of that kind of distance run by a running club. It tends to be their marquee event of the year and they're well worth hunting out. And I think you're right, especially those ones that are oversubscribed because there's clearly something about them. And it normally tends to be, I think, the organisation rather than the actual runs themselves mm. necessarily that are great. And the brilliant thing about those sort of runs, and I didn't pick one, but the, the brilliant things about them, again, we talked about part run being free, but even those events don't tend to be run to make a huge amount of money. They might want a little bit of money for their club, but not a lot. And so they tend to be really good value. Yes. Really, really good value. And whilst we might all want to go and do some amazing race that everyone's heard of, you know, because they're cool races, it can be just as cool to go and do one of these local running club ones. Mm. I remember when we did the one from, I can't remember which club it was, is it the, is it the Berrow or Breen or Highbridge or Burnham-on-Sea um, running club where we ran up Brent Knoll in Somerset yeah, and yeah. round it and down. And it was yeah. a brilliant 10k run, you yeah, know, yeah. just local club run. 
but it felt really good and it was really just nice to see so many people out locally doing something rather than people and it was just locals near enough no yeah. one was coming from all over the country to do it but there's something special about that and they're well organized they're run by running clubs and they've been doing it normally some of these things for years and years if not decades exactly but there's um, something just as special about those and just as worthy mm. of doing those as there is of any other race so yeah i'm really glad you picked that that's, that's a really good one to have done okay so on to the next category then which is the ultra ultra so for my ultra i've picked something that i definitely wouldn't have picked a year ago and i've picked race to the stones okay race to the stones is run by threshold and it's part of the threshold trail series and you might have heard of some of the other races so there's race to the king race to the castle race to the stones and i think there might be another one i can't think what it is I'm say race to the queen but i'm not yeah sure. it might be or even race to the sea i don't know there are other yeah, ones there's though. like five of them though isn't it i think yeah and Race of the Stones runs from Lucknow in Oxfordshire to Avebury in Wiltshire along the Ridgeway, which is an ancient road in the UK. Uh, it's 100k with about 1,000 metres of climb. It's about 10% on road, about 90% on trail, and it's easy trail. Mm-hmm. And I mean that in the nicest possible way. It's not technical trail at all. Yeah. It's easy running. And I ran it last year. So why have I picked it? Well... I liked the way that they ran the race in that you could do the 100k in a day, but they also set up this massive camp. When I say massive camp, I mean massive camp at halfway. So you could do 50k on day one and then 50k the next day, or you could run each of the 50ks as an individual event. Yeah. So lots of different choice there. Mm. And it did feel a little bit like you were being cuddled and helped the whole way around. And I think they aimed the race at least in a decent part of their market is for people doing their first ultras. Mm -hmm. And that's how it felt. It felt very well set up for that. And I don't mean that in a bad way because, you know, if people doing their first ultras, people get nervous, right? Mm. And the way this felt, it felt like you could do it as a fun run almost. And there were a lot of people we talked previously about, you know, don't do your first (laughs) ultra dressed in fancy dress. There are a lot of people in fancy (laughs) dress doing this. And as I said, the halfway camp, there's loads of individual tents set up people can stay in. It is a huge event. Mm. And when I say huge, I think it's probably, I don't know about Race of the Stones, but these races, the biggest races in the UK. And I'll justify that when people go, really? By saying that in the 100k in one day alone, and I think that wasn't necessarily the biggest market. A lot of people were doing 100k over two days. But in the 100k in a day alone, there were 1,250 runners. That's a lot. I, I don't know of any other UK race, trail race, that's got that many people running in it. Yeah, yeah. So they might be, but uh, I don't know of them. So, and if you think how many other, I think there are somewhere between three and a half and four thousand people taking part totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, which is a lot of people. Uh, but it's run really well. You imagine when you, when you do that, you can put a lot of stuff in the aid stations, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, you can make sure they're well stocked, and they are. But they call them pit stops, not aid stations. You know, it's it's a different feel yeah, from yeah. the type of other type of events we've done. So why have I picked it? Well, it is really well run. You know, there was. No doubting the efficiency of the setup and all of that sort of stuff was brilliant. Accessibility, I think, because they market it as they do, people feel comfortable doing it for their first yeah. race. And I think that really helps. Don't they advertise it partly as well for people who want to walk it as well? So a lot of people do walk it. Yeah, absolutely. Have, I think I've seen it where they have like walkers, joggers and runners kind of to try and band people correct yeah and i can't remember what the, the time limits are but they are ridiculously long yeah. to do it so in ter- relative terms compared to other races yeah so 
I think if you do the 100K in a day, you can actually carry on walking all the way through the night and almost take more than 24 hours to do 100K. Yeah. So you really can walk the whole thing. Mm. Uh, but there's this accessibility thing where people, as I said, I think you're doing it for your first option. You feel very comfortable. Mm. And I think that's really good. Yeah. But also, it is a beautiful course. Mm. It is a Western States qualifier. Yeah. So there are people out there doing it from the other end of the spectrum who are running very quickly and want to get a qualification time for Western States. to do it in a time. 17 hours. Okay. But that's still not... That's not, yeah, pushing you, pushing you, is it? No. So I did it in 12 hours, 13 minutes. Yeah, yeah. So, and it was, I felt I'd run well on the day, but still 17 was never going to really be too much of an issue, I don't think. Yeah, And if you think, well, that is, that's uh, 17 would be less than six kilometres an hour. Yeah, yeah. So... That's that's doable. I yeah, think yeah. by most people who are, who are doing ultras yeah, yeah. and things. But you know, while yeah. I've recommended that one, if you're looking for well-run, well-organized races, especially if you're thinking on first ultra, I'm worried about it. Yeah, you know, I, I think they're really, really good things to think about. Uh, yeah, and they're all sponsored by famous companies as well. I think that one's sponsored by Dixon's. One of them is sponsored by Heineken. Yeah, yeah. So it depends when you want, you know, a cheap mobile phone or a can of beer. It depends which <laughs> one you go for, I guess. But but no, so. I think they're good just because of the accessibility that they generate um, into trail running. And I think that's a good thing. Plus yes. the Ridgeway is beautiful. I was looking at doing one of theirs. I think it was Race to the King. But it doesn't fit my race calendar this year. But anyways. So I've chosen one that we've both done, but only you finished. And that uh, is... Felsman? The Felsman, indeed. Yeah. I got close, but not close enough. Um, although I did it a number of years ago. Before. I've lost my buff. I'm really upset. Before- have you? Oh, my oh, oh, I've still got one from there. Yeah, they gave you one. Yeah, did. Because <laughs> I was so nasty to you <laughs> in the finish. <laughs> it was such a hard time. When you walked off, they said, you deserve one too. <laughs> gave it to me. But uh, yeah, the, um, yeah, I think I did mine some years ago, didn't I? I think it was before you we were podcasting. Um, it was, in fact, 2016, just be- when we were thinking about doing Transylvania. Uh, it was in the build-up. So, oh, maybe it was the first one I did. It was. First training, one did. First yeah. training one. Okay, yeah. I didn't finish it. So the Felsman is actually run by the Keeley Scout Service Network. It's basically the scouting group in the UK. But it's called the Keeley Scout Service Network, I believe, because it's actually made up of other people and they've got this whole communication network that's set up with it and all kinds of things, isn't it? It's a bit more to it. But basically it's run by the the Scouts and and Guides Network. And it's up in the Yorkshire Dales. It runs from Ingleton to thrushfield so you have to go to thrushfield where um initially and you can sleep the night there can't you beforehand and then get the coach in the morning to the start it's 61 miles eleven thousand feet and the train is best described as totally cross-country fell running yeah it is it is there are some trails but it's yeah yeah it's mostly fell running so i'd say it's kind of like i don't know i don't know what the percentages are but 70 80 percent of it's kind of completely across um uh, basically private land that's that's uh, the the landowners have allowed the race to go on and have done for many many years yeah Uh, so i think the important thing to note there is that you have to get to checkpoints but how you get the route you take to any of the checkpoints is totally up to you there is not a planned route for you 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 get checkpoint to checkpoint that's why the train is that's why there aren't trails as such because you just go the most direct route you can yes yeah and there seems to be a little bit of um, local knowledge when i did it i was with uh, with somebody for a while and he was like no don't 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 go in the straight line here you'll get stuck in a bog just follow this around and one of these races a bit like barclay marathons where there's kind of like local knowledge and people want to pass it on to you to find the best route across the yorkshire dales it was started, I think one of the things that's interesting is it started in 1962. 
it's really kind of I think originally was designed more for kind of fell walkers or very experienced fell walkers who could walk really fast and do really rough terrain and over the years it's become much more of a kind of a, a, a running race I'm sure there were people that were running it in year one but but nevertheless it's got those kind of origins as you can finish it if you're a stout sturdy walker who can walk fast kind of thing but you'd have to push it really hard yeah I I, I actually haven't finished it as it's been mentioned in previous podcasts and I was injured the time when we were both going to do it so yeah. I didn't do it and then you did and we did a whole episode on it but yeah it was interesting it's very unique it's regionally famous and it's quite well known I think a little bit in the UK for trail runners as well people have tend to have heard of it but it's yeah. not it's not overly hyped it's run by the scouts so. yeah and I think that the, the other sort of unique bits that I love was that each aid station is almost like it, it's almost like the aid stations are sponsored and each year the same person will do that an aid station. And so each of the aid stations is sort of unique in the way that it operates. So the first aid station you get, get to has flapjacks and water and that's it. If you don't like flapjacks and water, you're out of luck. One of, the, <laughs> one of them does pasta. One of them does hot dogs. Yes. With a few other things as well, they note on this, but each of them is run by a different person and tends to do the same thing every year. So you get a menu before you run the race, no, and which tells you what you're going to get at each aid station, which is quite good because at least that way you know what you're getting. And so yeah. you don't turn up and go, Oh, I can't eat anything here. Well, you knew that you could have taken some extra food. So that was great. They're set up, it's so remote, they're set up with a, a sort of CB radio network that's linked into the farmers and stuff. We talked about yeah, this yeah. before, haven't we? Which is really great. So the costs are really small. And until this year, when you got to the night, of course, they had something called grouping where you had to run with, with people and you weren't allowed to split up from them. But this year, I've heard, they're going to put GPS trackers on people and hopefully get rid of grouping, which was, in some ways, an interesting quirk of the race, but probably wasn't that positive, I think, for most people. Yeah, because you end up... Your, your race can be quite sometimes quite heavily impacted by those people you're told to run with yeah and so there ends up as you're getting towards dusk you can see everyone thinking right i like you i'm going to run with you but i'm not going to run with you because i don't like you kind yeah. of thing. So you're going to slow me up but it's um, you get to do two of the three peaks two of yeah because there's the in, in england there's the the three peaks yeah um, which is let me get in ingleton um in- wernside and penny Gent. Ingleborough. Ingleborough. Sorry, Ingleton. Yeah, Ingleborough. Wernside and Penny Gent. You do yeah, yeah. Ingleborough and Wernside as part of Felsman. Mm. But yeah, really good event. And again, I like it. It's got this really good local feel to it. Yeah. But it felt very professional at the same time. Mm. And I, that's what I liked about that's it. That's a very well-oiled machine. Yeah. Where, especially as you said, running in with local knowledge made a huge difference. A couple of times running with people who mm. knew where they were going made a huge difference. But really really enjoyable race yes definitely felsman i in fact the ones we've gone through so far i think of all the ones we've done so far that would be my one to say to people if you're really really gonna go and do one this year yeah and it's tough not easy oh no definitely not definitely not <laughs> you're, easy you're gonna be yeah crawling through bogs in a couple oh, of places i was up to, i was up to my waist <laughs> at some points it truly was it was ridiculous and, and it's very early in the year as well, so it's very temperamental April. weather. AR. So when I did it, it was there was snowing and stuff on top of um, yeah. uh, Inglebridge to start you, with. If you want to know what it's like for me, just listen to our, just go and listen yeah. to the Felsman podcast because, yeah, mm. it, I, it, we had everything. When I raced it, it was brilliant. In hindsight, it was brilliant. <laughs> it's never, it's never brilliant at the time. <laughs> Probably type two fun that was. A third of the way into the race, it's always how really you wonder why you were fun. doing it. Yeah. So we are racing through these. And we are now on to the Long Ultra. Mm. And for those who listened to our last podcast, it shouldn't come as too much surprise that I'm going to go for Ring of Fire. <sighs> you know, I mean, 
goodness me, what a great race it is. So the Ring of Fire is a circumnavigation of the island of Anglesey, which is part of Wales. It sits on the northwest coast of Wales, and it's 135 miles over three days with 4,000 metres of ascent. So it's 35.7 miles on the first day with about 1,000 metres of ascent, 66 miles with 2,000 metres of ascent on the second day, and 33.3 miles with 1,000 metres of ascent. I appreciate there I've mixed Imperial and Metro, <laughs> but that's the way it is on day three. Uh, about 10% on road, maybe a bit more, 80% on trail, and about 10% on beach. And if it isn't 10% on beach, it de- certainly feels like it's at least 10% on beach during the run, which is a little bit unusual. You don't get a huge amount of beach running mm-hmm. in the UK, so I think that's worthy of note. I ran it last year, and why did I pick it? Well, the scenery was amazing. The organisation was really, really good too. But one of the reasons I've picked it, and I guess it's not just about Ring of Fire, it's about other things, is... The multi-day thing I really, really enjoyed. Yeah. The stopping and sleeping. I, I'm not sure I'm set up for spine, but I'm, this sort of thing really works This is where we me. have a different kind of, you know, tendencies to what we think yeah. over this distance we prefer. And I've just come back from doing the Pilgrim Challenge last weekend, and that was a two-day. Mm. And again, I really enjoyed that, the yeah. stopping at the end of day one, resting up and going back the next day and doing it. So that really worked for me. But for me, the, the thing about Ring of Fire especially, and again, I had good weather and everything worked out great for me, was just this great feeling of camaraderie between the runners because you're seeing the same people at the start each day. Yeah. So even if you don't end up running with them, you end up seeing them sort of three days just at the beginning of the race. Yeah. And this feeling of the huge challenge that you're all undertaking together. And I think the same will be true, I hope, for Kate Roth later in the year that same sort of feeling yeah and you're you're more likely to have that aren't you because on cape ross you're, you're going to be sleeping in the same tents it's a bit like marathon to Sable, isn't it in that kind of sense yes i think so and well that is normally the way with ring of fire it's only oh, this year it? where it, we, we slept in hotels be- oh, a lot okay. less because of covid but normally you all sleep in a big sports hall and oh right okay and, and do that thing together so I, why would I recommend you do it? Well, I certainly wouldn't recommend it as a first race, although the first day you can do as an individual race called the Firelighter. But I, I think if you're looking to step into the multi-day racing thing, whatever that is, <laughs> I don't know, but thing I'll call it, then it's definitely achievable. You know, it's tough mm. but achievable if you work hard at it. That said, only 40 people out of 92 didn't DNF this year only 40 people completed yeah so it clearly is tough yeah but you know i was six and a half hours inside the cutoff took less than 80 percent of the time so i think a lot of people could do it yeah there's something about that race something that was a beautiful trail not too technical some of it was but not much i guess it's got a nice challenge to it because you're running around an island effectively so it's got it's got a meaning yes um it's not somewhere that's probably that well visited either Although no, nice. But so, it, oh, it's stunning. Yeah. I mean, really stunning. Mm. Beautiful. So, yeah, so Ring of Fire. And, and you get an amazing and, T-shirt. And, yes. <laughs> the T-shirt is amazing. Honestly, it's, it's worth really doing good. for the T-shirt. Doing it just for the T-shirt. <laughs> Honestly. The best race T-shirt ever. Ever, ever, ever. So, yes, Ring of Fire. Uh, thoroughly endorsed as a long ultra. And you get a discount if you book early. Which brings us into your long... Okay. Yeah, so I've changed my mind on this one. I was going to go with the Ark of Attrition. Which is, which is a well-regarded and very, very gnarly ultra. Very, yes. Um, 
and we've done an episode on that one anyway. And I was due to do it actually um, last month, wasn't I? But yep. um, I, I pulled out through injury and I wasn't in a, in a good space to do it anyway. But um, it was delayed from the previous year. However, that's very oversubscribed. Yep. Uh, and there are lots of 100 miles to choose from. So it's pointless us sitting here thinking, right, would recommend doing this one uh, when it's difficult to get a place. So I'm going to go for one I've done, which I've really enjoyed. And I've um, completed it the first time I did it. And I tried it again a few months ago. Uh, I didn't complete it. I wasn't expecting to complete it, to be fair. It's kind of the first run back from um, post-COVID and everything else. But it's local. It was the Cotswold Way Century, which I really enjoy. It's local to us in, in kind of Bristol. It runs from Chipping Camden to Bath along the Cotswolds Way. We don't tell people were Chipping Camden. Chipping Camden's towards the top end of... Well, it's in the Cotswold, isn't it? So, Gloucestershire? Um, or is yeah, it yeah, top end of Gloucestershire, maybe. So you're running from Gloucestershire down to Somerset. But it's 102 miles. On the Cotswold Way. Yeah, and it's uh, it, basically, it is the Cotswolds Way from start to finish. And it's, yeah, 102 miles. I was just trying to check on the, the, the amount of climb, but I think it's about 12,000. I couldn't find I, it I think it might even be a bit more than that. Might be 14,000. Might be about 14,000, I seem to yeah. remember, from when you did it. yeah. And it's got, you go up and down the, the what's called the kind of Cotswolds Edge there about 10, 11 times. It's quite a lot. And it, it purposefully goes to the top and then you basically run down to the next chocolate box village, um, picture postcard stuff, and then back up again to get some views only to turn around and come back down again. Yeah. Uh, and there's lots of hills at the start. It's on, obviously it's on the Cotswold, Cotswold Way. So that's a national trail. Uh, and it's pretty well signposted, but you do need to be able to read a map because it's not, a hundred percent or use a gpx well which yeah. i guess there probably is nowadays <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and i i like it because apart from being local it's also late in the season and it's not normally oversubscribed so it's one of these cheeky ones you can go oh actually i'm getting towards the end of the season i fancy i think i can do this one do you know what i mean it's something you could probably book with like four weeks to go it's very well run we we've uh, in fact we've done a couple of events with them haven't we we've um interviewed yep. the um the race director as well yeah so yeah, and I, I just like the way it's run, uh, and it, it's it's run sensibly with the cutoffs. Um, they push you quite hard to start with, but then it eases up. But it's not easy. Uh, I don't know what the finish rate is, or you know, it's not, it's not, it's kind of like you know, fifty, sixty percent. Um, but it's it it's nice. It's accessible. Um, and finishing in the middle of Bath is quite oh, cool. The, the fi- yes, that is a really good point, actually. So it's the it, apart from um, like Transvalcania. It's kind of got the second best finish I think I've ever done. And in some ways, it was really personal, really nice. You can have someone run with you for the last two miles or so. So I had my daughter run with me. I think it was almost like the second or third episode we ever did. It was the second episode we did. Yeah. And, and um, yeah, it was really nice to have, you know, have my daughter run with me. Um, and you're running into the centre of Bath. It, basically, the finish is outside Bath Cathedral, and there's a stone in the ground. It's right next to Bath Cathedral and the Roman Baths, which is almost like an international attraction site, isn't it's it? It's a world heritage site. Yeah, yeah. And, and so you get loads of tourists there. Um, and as you're running in, it's typically like me, you know, running in towards the back of the field. Um, Actually, people have been in shopping because you're finishing like almost like in midday um, if you're at the back of the field. And and you, people can see the finish. They've been they've typically been down to the centre. They know what's going on. So as you're running in, it's like every 10th person's like, oh, yeah, come on. Yeah, like this. So it was like for the last mile, you're passing people who kind of know 
what you're doing. Yeah. So as you're running in, and, and it's not like you're running in with lots of other people. You're well spread out. You know, you're running in by yourself or just with you know, another person you've kind of, you know, started running alongside or whatever. Uh, and I was running with my daughter as well and stuff like that. And it was, it's a, it's an awesome finish position for a race you know you, you, you know it, it's a really good sense of achievement from that one that, that really hit home and it's say it's something that's accessible um it's something you could probably get an entry to so i'm gonna i'm gonna big that one up yeah and i think it's worth picking up i think the race organization was really good i popped to see you at about the 70 mile point i seem to remember which was sort of mm. about seven o'clock in the morning because it started at lunchtime i think yeah when you yeah, did it, yeah, like that. yeah and uh yeah, it's really well organised, and as I said, you that finish in the middle of Bath is just quite special, really. Yeah, was it nineteen? Yes, it finishes. Yes, I think you're right. It's got a thirty-hour cut-off. Um, yeah, I think you finished so, about four o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, I did it in about 29, 28, 29, 29 and a half hours, I think. So yeah. I had a half an hour to spare. But for the amount of climb you have, that's not. No, that's kind of like reasonably. It's like kind of like um, yeah, it's almost challenging. Trans- it's almost Transvaal S climb. Yeah, yeah, yeah not, not easy cut-offs, but but good. Yeah, cool. No, great race. Um, glad you picked that. Which brings us neatly on then to the marquee race. It will come as no surprise that both of us have picked Transalcania. And for those of you who listened to the podcast for a bit, you know, you'll have heard us go on probably more <laughs> than we should do, maybe, about this race. But I don't think more than we should do because I think the race is amazing. The big news, of course, in the last week that's been announced is Transalcania has now become part of the UTMB family of races. Now, you could either take that as taken over by UTMB or joined UTMB, depending which way you look at it. So, what is Transalcania? Well, Transalcania is on the island of La Palma. Yep. In the Canary Islands. And to be clear, it's on the island of La Palma. Correct. Not the, to be confused with the place called La Palma in the Canaries. That Canaris, is right. You're right. <laughs> which the is island. on a different island. Yes. Because people do make that mistake. They fly to the wrong place. The island of La Palma <laughs> in the Canary Islands. And you run from the southern tip by a lighthouse up sort of the spine of the island to about two-thirds of the way, climbing the whole way, well, up and down, up and down, till you get to the highest point in the island, which is where there are a load of telescopes at 2,350 metres. You then run all the way down to sea level in 17 kilometres out of an average 15% gradient. Like um, a 17 kilometre downhill, basically, yeah. all in one go. Before then having to climb back up another 300 metres of ascent to a finish. It's 74 kilometres, 14,500 feet or 4,500 metres of climb. About 2% on road, I reckoned, when I yeah. thought about it. The rest is trail. Some of it easy, some of it technical, definitely. Mm. And always undulating. I'm not sure there is any flat no, no, on, on the course any. at all. Yeah, uh, it's always up. I literally can't think of any flat. Maybe the road from, from a bit to, out to Reventon from El Pilar, but even that's yeah. undulating. But it's fairly flat. Quite a lot of it's on. Um, unsurprisingly, people know on the volcanic kind of dust. Yeah, and we ran it in 2017 and had an amazing time. Why did we have an amazing time? Well, you know, apart from the fact that you run up through the clouds and then are above the clouds and you, you sort of feel like you're running on top of the clouds. It used to be part of the Skyrunner World Series. I'm not sure if it still is. And you can see all the other Canary Islands, the tips of them out in the distance. And the aid stations are amazing, well-stocked. And it didn't used to cost a lot of money. And you got a great goodie bag and all those other things. What really made it amazing was the people of La Palma. Yeah. Who would turn out in their droves. And I mean hundreds of people in random villages just turning out to clap and cheer you and offer you things and wine and cheese. And the fact that when you got to the finish, I got there at 
five hours after the first runner. You got there six hours after the first runner. The finishing shoot, which is 100 metres, 200 metres long, was still five deep in people going absolutely berserk Mm. and celebrating every runner. So whilst I'm not sure how I feel about it being part of the UTMB family or taken over by UTMB, again, whichever way you see it, I still will recommend it because that won't change. No. The people of La Palma won't stop being that amazing. And, you know, they've had a lot of hardship over the last year with the volcano erupting and going on for months. And I think the race was at least partially subsidised by the La Palma government. It was certainly cheap. I don't know how they managed to do it that cheap without subsidisation. And, you know, they'll need that money to rebuild their communities now. So someone else taking it over isn't necessarily a bad thing. I feel for it in that it's lost maybe that little bit of uniqueness when you become part of something bigger. Mm. Your your little personal identity can maybe be eroded a little bit. But as I said, the people of La Palma are what makes Transylvania, and I don't think that will change. And that's why I would recommend you go and do it. You will feel so supported the yeah. whole way around that event. And when you finish it, you will feel you are part of something really special. I, yeah. I still think so. The course is utterly stunning. Yeah. Utterly, utterly stunning. And brutal. So, yes. Uh, you know, when we when we, we did a training run on it before, we didn't we? We went there beforehand and trained on it. And I've never been in tears looking at, you know, looking at scenery before, but I was there. It, incredible. And one of the other things that's really nice about it is people don't just tend to arrive and do the race and go because, you know, you transport, you tend to go there, I think, midweek and then fly back out the, the midweek afterwards. But there just aren't that many flights, are there? So no. you've got the choice, I think there's two flights in from the UK a week. So whenever you arrive, you've got to yeah, stay another so week to go Wednesday, home. Wednesday and do it. But there's other, and therefore there's much more of a kind of an event feel for it. They have other events that go on which are on different days. They have a kids race on a different day. I think they have a, they have the one k vertical race, vertical kilometer, yeah, yeah, which we went along to. It was, it was the day before, I think, or two days before our yeah. race, and we just went and watched it, and it was part of it. So, and there's a half marathon and a marathon. So yeah, yeah there's different events as part of it. Registration was a completely different day, and you could go to the village that was there for registration. So it's a whole kind of celebration, wasn't it? It was yeah. more. In some ways, I guess it was a bit more, a bit like UTMB and Chamonix and stuff. It had yeah. that kind of feel to it. And that's maybe why it fits in well with them. But, you know, UTMB is, is a unique race. And, you know, when one of us does it, it probably won't be me. But when one of us does it, then it will certainly be a, a podcast or two worth doing. But in terms of marquee races that we could talk about, I've done Squamish and that's fairly marquee. You've mm. taken part in Arc and I think people could, could say that that's marquee in terms of, mm. you know, and Spine, certainly spine definitely is, marquee yeah. races. But none of them give me that warm smile and glowy feel in the same way that Transwalkania does. And and, and as I said, you've heard, if, if you're a listener to this podcast, you'll have heard us go on about it. And probably, as I've said, maybe think we go on about it too much. But I think the reason we've gone about it is just because of how amazing we think the race is yeah and it's achievable as well i mean yeah things like spine and other ones you know you know entry qualifications and other bits and pieces are a bit more but but this one you can it was the first major ultra we did we did a like a couple of trail marathons beforehand and that was enough to get us get us a slot do you know what i mean it's it's yeah it's absolutely not, it's not unreasonable nope. to get a place at all and, it, and you're on the start line with like famous people oh yeah that's the only race i've ever done well okay there's a couple of people on spine but 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 by and large that's the only race we've done where there's been like you know the 10 people at the front so like, oh I've, I've seen them in the magazines they're there there's well that's been... the point of a marquee race isn't yeah, it it's yeah. a proper big race that everyone wants to do but you're right you know 17 hour cutoff for transalcania for a 46 mile race with four and a half thousand meters of climb now that's still tough yeah yeah but if if I compare it to Ironman, 17-hour cutoff time, my Ironman time was 
broadly similar to my Transylvania time. So, you know, there is a lot of scope there for mid-packers to definitely finish. Mm. Definitely. And you do a lot of walking because the first three hours is walking effectively uphill. Yeah. You don't. Only the elites are running it. Everyone else is speed hiking, and then there's power a bit of hiking, and then you're going up again for another. And three then up hours. and down, up and down, up and down, <laughs> and then the downhill, which has to be said, the downhill is probably the most technical bit of the race because mm. that's the bit you're running rather than walking. And if you're a good downhiller, you can make up a lot of time. I found it incredibly fun to do. I really enjoyed doing it, but it's the one bit of the course that's probably the most difficult, I think, yeah. and the one bit where you could walk it down, but you will lose a lot of time doing that. But yeah. other than that it's a really easy course even when it's technical just because you'd have to walk a lot of it because it's so steep yeah yeah and the one thing that's different now is and i don't feel carry it on but it used to be in may and now it's in october oh yeah i don't know what difference that makes to temperature so i haven't actually looked it up areas are very stable because they're in the you know very you know getting close towards the equator so i think actually it will probably be similar probably maybe maybe but the sea will probably be warmer because seal with nice. lags. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So I think the sea will be gorgeous. <laughs> I don't know, the sea wasn't cold necessarily when we were there, but it was, it'll be gorgeous in October, I bet. We made a nice little holiday out of it with an Airbnb and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the other thing. La Palma is not expensive. No. We, we were eating out very well each night for a lot, a lot of money. Yeah. By not staying in the capital as well. And not, we didn't go into uh, a resort. We just Airbnb'd it, as you said, and had a very good time. Mm. So look, there are some ideas of races that you could go and do this season or in seasons to come yeah and there are so many ultras and, and trail races out there you know we we we're never gonna be able to do more than than a small fraction of what's available no exactly every weekend there are races in all those categories and it is a growing scene it yeah. really is so, which is a good thing so it, it's from a limited selection but the best will in the world anyway people are only going to be able to do a limited selection so it's great there's so much choice but I'll tell you um, what, I'd be interested in what other races other people are doing. Yeah. So why don't you ping us on social media and let us know what races you're going to do over this year or in the years to come. On Instagram and Twitter, we are at Runners on Trail. Uh, you can email us at runnersontrail at gmail.com. You certainly can. Have a great running season. We will be back at some point. Uh, but <laughs> well, in, okay. Go on. I was going to say, should we go through the races that we've got planned for this year? Okay, so for this season, I've already started. I did Pilgrim Challenge last weekend. That was 66 miles over two days. Mm -hmm. That was really good. I think I'm going to be doing Tuscany Crossing in April, the 103-kilometre version rather than the 100-mile version. And that will be my Western States qualifier. Uh, The big race I have for the year, obviously, is Cape Roth Ultra in May. I am pacing for the first time ever and navigating a race i'm going to be one of the time lords at the green man oh really oh i didn't know that yeah i am so there you go and we are supporting a bob green round potentially you and i oh yeah yeah this year and then i might look for something come the end of the year but you're doing a couple of races that i might end up supporting and pacing you in as well maybe yeah, so I'm chasing UTMB points this year because uh, my I qualified for the UTMB in 2020. That was cancelled because of COVID, and I my last chance to secure my reserved 
um, entry is in 2023, but I've got to get the points all again. So I've got to get back up to 10 points over two races. So I've got five races I've booked. I'm doing the Spring Trail Series Ultra X, uh, 100k. Uh, that's in April. Uh, in June, I'm down to do the Dales Highway which is uh, the 90 mile rather than the 105 mile. And the 105 mile goes up to High Cup Nick. Right. Again, it's an extra bit on the end. Then in June, the Jurassic Coast, which is a 105 miler. That's supposed to be gnarly and nails. Yeah, that's got a lot of climb on it. Yeah. But it's a coastal one. I quite like those. And it's in the summer as opposed to Arc. So, so it'd just be really hot as so well. Really hot, yeah. nice. uh, and then I've got two Centurion races, the North Downs Way 100 miler in August. And then October... One of yours, Century, the Centurion Autumn 100. Brilliant race. Last, Absolutely last brilliant race. that, didn't you? Yeah, well, well, and the Pilgrim Challenge I've just done is on the North Downs way as well. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, I'm following in your footsteps, literally. Well, yeah, but yeah, the Autumn 100 is a great race. You'll, you'll really enjoy it, I think. Really, really enjoy it. Cool. So, look, whatever you're doing and wherever you're running, I uh, hope you have a great season. Stay safe. And enjoy the trails. Okay, so for my ultra, ooh, so are you beeping? Yeah. Shall I try again? Uh, so for my ultra, I've picked one which I probably wouldn't have even thought of. <laughs> Shall I start again? <laughs> so I was doing it on silent. Finished? Yeah. Runners on trail.